Go ahead and have a seat. morning while I fix my stuff here all right good good to see you this morning um let's do this let's do this to start off today all right let's just all take a really big deep breath together ready breathe in and out oh doesn't that feel good I mean it's the Sunday before Christmas some of you have not had time this week to breathe you are running like crazy right uh, let me ask you how are you feeling are you are you excited about this week Oh, wow, that's not good. All right. Um, are you tired this week? Okay, a little bit more tired. Are you stressed? Maybe a little bit, right? Are some of you at the point now where, that, um, where when that Publix commercial comes on, where the little girl is baking with her grandma, you immediately start weeping uncontrollably because Publix knows that you're emotionally vulnerable this time of year, and so they just go right for your heart, right? I mean, like all these different things, we have all these different feelings and all this different stuff that's going on in our minds and in our hearts and in our lives this time of year, and it can be overwhelming at times, can it? I know my family, we've been feeling the pressure a little bit more than usual this year. Um, I feel like a big part of it is because uh, Thanksgiving was so late this year, right? And so I feel like we lost like an entire week to try to cram in all of our Christmas traditions. And so uh, we've been working really hard to get all these things done that we enjoy doing as a family. And one thing that we really enjoy doing is we just like to go out and look at Christmas lights and just go look at Christmas decorations and just go check, check out the different displays that are all over the place. And there are plenty of really amazing displays here in town. Um, in fact, I love it so much, I pulled my kids out of school on Wednesday for half the day, and we went to Magic Kingdom for the day, not so that they could have fun, but so that I could see the Christmas decorations when it got dark, because I, I, I could care less about the rides we rode, I just wanted to see the lights, like that's the, it's that time of year where we really enjoy Christmas decorations. But there's always been one kind of Christmas decoration that I never fully understood, that I never fully got, all right? And that's inflatables. And so I brought an inflatable with me this morning. Now, I'm just going to say it right from the get-go. Some of you love inflatables, and I'm not trying to mock you in any way. Some of you go nuts with inflatables at your house, all right? You have inflatables everywhere. And so this morning, I brought Frosty with me. Now, here's the thing. My next-door neighbor loves inflatables, loves inflatables. His yard is full of inflatables. We're going to see if Frosty's going to stand again because Frosty was having a hard time earlier. All right, all right, so stay, <laughs> kind of, close enough. All right, good, so my next door neighbor loves inflatables, and, and inflatables are great at night when they're blown up and they look nice and they're lit up, but here's the thing, before my neighbor goes to bed at night, he unplugs those inflatables, right? And when I wake up in the morning and I look out my window, I see what looks like some kind of inflatable battlefield that's happened overnight, and there's just carnage laying everywhere it looks something kind of like that. That's not my neighbor's yard, but it looks, I, I, I felt a little weird taking a picture of my neighbor's yard, all right? But that's kind of what it looks like to me. It feels a little weird. It feels a little creepy. It feels a little like, this doesn't look like Christmas to me. This looks like something that went horribly, horribly wrong, all right? But here's the deal. Other days, I wake up in the morning, I look out at my neighbor's yard, and I think, I get it. I can relate. I don't feel very full of the Christmas spirit because I'm tired because I'm stressed, because there's just a lot going on 
where I don't feel like I have the same Christmas spirit that I had when the month started, all right? So here's what I want us to do. I want us to all imagine that we are inflatables this morning, all right? And here's what kind of happens, all right? So I have Frosty here as my example. We are all inflatables. Now, what happens is this, is on Thanksgiving Day and not earlier, FYI, some of you like to start celebrating Christmas at Halloween, not, not true, all right? But on Thanksgiving Day, we are all filled with the Christmas spirit, all right? Like, we just blow up like this inflatable. We are so excited. We had a great Thanksgiving. This is going to be the best Christmas ever. We've got all these amazing plans. All this great stuff's going to go on. And then life starts happening, right? Then all of a sudden, you start falling behind on your Christmas shopping. And, oh, man, I'm not feeling so great now. And then, oh, shoot, I forgot to send out my Christmas cards. And I just keep getting more and more deflated. And then you go to your company Christmas party. And Karen at the company Christmas party says something that's way too passive-aggressive, and it makes you wonder, why do I even work at this company? And then you begin to feel a little bit more deflated. And then you go to Christmas dinner with your parents, and your parents want to bring up that thing that you did on Christmas 20 years ago that they can't quite let go of yet, and so boom, you become a little bit more deflated. And then the, also, the other reality is this, is that for many of us, this might be the first year, or it might be the 20th year where we're living in the holiday season without somebody that we really care about, somebody that we've lost, somebody that we have amazing holiday memories with. And that sadness and that grief and all of those things continue to deflate us and they continue to deflate us. And all of a sudden, instead of being full of the Christmas spirit, we're totally deflated. And we're just flat. And we're not living with the, the kind of joy and hope and peace that we're supposed to have this, kind of, this time of year. And we look like my neighbor's yard just littered with people who just don't have the joy of Christmas. And that happens. And, and listen, that happens for a lot of different reasons. And some of those reasons are very legitimate, and they're very real. And they're, they're things that we have to be willing and able to talk about. A lot of times, that kind of stuff happens to us because there's a lot of drama at this time of year, isn't there? There's a lot of things that happen this time of year that we have very little control over. This Christmas season, our Christmas theme, our Christmas series has been, we call it Christmas drama. And what we're doing is we are looking at the, the very first Christmas, and we're looking at the different characters that were a part of that first Christmas story. We're, we're taking a look at that Christmas story, and we're asking ourselves, how can we relate to those different characters and what they went through? And there was a lot, whether you know it or not, there was a lot of drama around that first Christmas. It would not be Christmas time without a little bit of drama. And the very first Christmas was no exception at all. And so we've been trying to take some time to look at these different characters. And today, we are going to look at the wise men from Matthew chapter 2. So if you have a Bible, you can open up to Matthew chapter 2. We're going to look at verses 1 through 12 this morning. And, in, and while you're getting there, you can follow along on the screen or in your Bible or on your phone. But while you're getting there, let's talk a little bit about these wise men. We don't know a whole lot about the wise men. There's not a whole lot that's, that we're told about the wise men. We know a couple of things. One, this word wise men, all right, these wise men that came. If you look at that word in different Bible translations, it's, it's different meanings and different translations and all that kind of stuff. Some people call them kings. Some people call them wise men. But if you actually take and translate that word, it's closer to a word called magi. And you've probably heard that word too. And magi were basically, if you want to define what a magi was, magi were pretty much astrologers. So magi, would, magi were men and women that would study the night sky. 
they would look at the night sky. They would look for patterns and changes and things that were different in the night sky. And as they were studying the night sky, they were also took, like, taking a look at how did the changes in the night sky affect what was going on in the world around them. And so they were intelligent people that understood what was going on in the world around them. And so these magi are, what, are the, the people that came to visit Jesus. The other thing we know um, is that, and this is very vague, is that they came from eastern lands. They came from the east. And that's how some of us like to give directions, right? Just drive east. Like, that's where, the, that's where you go, right? So we don't know exactly where these people came from. But if you take a map and you take the city of Jerusalem and you take the city of Bethlehem and you go due east, what you'll probably run into is a, a region of the world at that time that was called Persia. And so it's, it's, it's widely believed that the wise men probably came from Persia. But that's really about all that we know about these people. We know that they came seeking the newborn king of the Jews, seeking Jesus. But even though we know very little about them, that doesn't mean that their part of the Christmas story wasn't full of drama. It wasn't full of things that were going on around them that we can learn from. And we can learn from their example. All right? So we're going to look at Matthew chapter 2. I'm actually going to read through the whole story just so we can hear the whole thing. And then we'll kind of go back and look at a couple of things that are going on in here. But Matthew chapter 2 Verses 1 through 12, it says this. Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the reign of King Herod. About that time, some wise men from eastern lands had arrived in Jerusalem asking, Where is the newborn king of the Jews? We saw his star as it rose, and we have come to worship him. King Herod was deeply disturbed when he heard this, as was everyone in Jerusalem. He called a meeting of the leading priests and teachers of religious law and asked, Where is the Messiah supposed to be born? In Bethlehem, in Judea, they said, for this is what the prophet wrote. And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not least among the ruling cities of Judah. For a ruler will come from you, who will be the shepherd for my people Israel. Then Herod called for a private meeting with the wise men, and he learned from them the time when the star first appeared. Then he told them, go to Bethlehem and search carefully for the child. And when you find him, come back and tell me so that I can go and worship him too. After this interview, the wise men went their way, and the star they had seen in the east guided them to Bethlehem, and went ahead of them, and stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were filled with great joy. They entered the house and saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasure chest and gave him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. When it was time to leave, they returned to their own country by another route, for God had warned them in a dream not to return to Herod. So this is one of those classic Christmas stories, right? Almost all of us could tell some, even if it was a simplified version, we could tell the story of the wise men who came seeking and looking for Jesus. And like I said, every Christmas is full of drama. This story is no exception. And there is one character in this story who is probably creating more drama than any other character. And that's King Herod, all right? King Herod was... We know from historical accounts that King Herod was pretty much unhinged. King Herod did not do well when people threatened his throne, when people threatened his authority, when people threatened his wealth. King Herod did not respond well to those situations. So you can imagine that if these guys show up in Jerusalem and say, where's the newborn king of the Jews? That's going to, Herod's going to end up just a little bit triggered. He's going to be a little set off by that. 
And so what does he do? He calls a meeting with his religious leaders. He pulls them together. He gathers information. Then he pulls the wise men in the room and he says, listen, go find this newborn king of the Jews in Bethlehem. And when you find him, tell me so that I can go and worship him too. And by worship him too, what was more, what, more likely what he was saying was so that I can go take him out. Because to King Herod, Jesus was a threat. Jesus was a threat that needed to be removed. And so Herod is creating all of this drama, all of this stuff that's going on, heavy, important, dangerous stuff that is going on all around them. But somehow the wise men were able to stay focused on the mission that God had given them. They were able to stay focused on the thing that God was asking them to do. The wise men were able to avoid the drama that was going on around them. And just like the wise men had drama, we have drama that goes on around us, especially this time of year. The drama seems to get amplified around the holidays, right? And so we all face this drama from time to time. And so I think we can learn from the wise men how we can best avoid the drama. And so that's what I want to do this morning. I want us to look at some ways that the wise men were able to avoid the drama. First thing, the wise men were avoiding the drama with purpose, with purpose. Look at the first part of verse 2 again. The wise men ask a question, where is the newborn king of the Jews? Where is the newborn king of the Jews? The wise men knew specifically who they were looking for. They knew specifically who they were looking for. Now, there's some debate about how they knew to look for Jesus. Some, some scholars believe that maybe some um, ancient transcripts or manuscripts from Old Testament prophecies had made their way to where the wise men lived. So they were able to read those and understand those. And when they saw the star in the sky, it fulfilled that prophecy, and they knew to follow that star. Some people believe that maybe um, exiles from Israel had made their way to where the wise men lived, and they told them about these prophecies. Some people believe that the wise men had a supernatural encounter with God, where God gave him this mission to do. We're not exactly sure how they received this information, but they had it. And they lived on purpose to complete the mission that God had given them to seek and find Jesus. The wise men were seeking the reason for the season that we talk about this time of year. They were seeking Jesus. It didn't matter what was going on around them. It didn't matter the distractions that were getting in their way. It didn't matter who was buying them a Christmas gift and who wasn't. It didn't matter who said Merry Christmas and who said Happy Holidays. None of that mattered because they were seeking Jesus. Jesus is what mattered. All of the other stuff, all of the other distractions faded away as they sought the newborn king of the Jews. I think verse 10 teaches us another important lesson about the, the wise men in this situation too. It tells us that as they were seeking the newborn king of the Jews, verse 10 says this, when they saw the star, they were filled with joy. When they saw the star, they were filled with joy. When they were living on purpose, when they were living out their purpose, God was filling them with joy because they were doing the thing that God had made them to do in that moment for that time. The distractions weren't getting the best of them. They weren't getting pulled in different directions. They were doing what they were supposed to be doing, and as a result, they were filled with joy. Verse 9 also tells us that God didn't leave them alone to figure out how to find Jesus. He gave them the star that brought them to Bethlehem, that brought them to the home that Jesus was in. And so they weren't on their own to figure out this mission. God provided what they needed to do the job well, to live on purpose. 
Those are important lessons for us as we live our lives in today's world. That God is going to give us opportunities to live on purpose, to seek Jesus, to seek to be in his presence, to seek to become more like him, to seek to live our lives for him. And as we do that, God is going to fill us with joy. And the other thing is that God is never going to leave us by ourselves to figure out how to do it. That if we put our faith and trust in Jesus, he gives us the Holy Spirit to guide us. Like the star guided the wise men, the Holy Spirit guides us into the presence of Jesus and into becoming more and more like him. And so the wise men were able to avoid the drama by living on purpose. I have a couple of questions that I, I put on your outline just for us to be thinking about and wrestling with this week as we, as we consider this idea of living on purpose at Christmas time. First question is this, what is your purpose this Christmas? I mean, I want you to get specific. What is your purpose this Christmas? What is God asking you to do over the next two weeks? You are going to be around people that you don't see on a regular basis. You're gonna be around people that you care deeply about. What is God asking you to do to make an impact and a difference in the lives of others? What is God asking you to do to draw closer and seek him more over these next couple of weeks? The second question kind of goes with it. Who or what are you seeking? Who or what are you seeking? Because let's be honest, we can seek after a lot of different things this time of year. We can be on, we can be on the pursuit, we can be pursuing so many things. And some of them are great things. Some of them are fun things. Some of them are amazing memories that fill us with warm, fuzzy feelings inside. But are they the best thing for us to be seeking? Are they the best thing for us to be pursuing? Because for the wise men, they were able to avoid the distractions and avoid the drama and seek Jesus and live on purpose. So th this Christmas, let's be people who are seeking King Jesus. The second thing, the wise men were able to avoid the drama with worship, with worship. So seeking Jesus was their purpose, but once they found Jesus, they, their priority was to worship him. Look at, look at this second part of verse two again. It says this, it says, we saw his star as it rose and we have come to worship him. We have come to worship him. That word worship can be defined a lot of different ways, but one of the definitions of the word worship is to express your adoration to someone or to something. The wise men had come to express their adoration to Jesus, to express their gratitude to Jesus. That's what they had come to do. And then look at what the wise men do when they finally get to the house where Jesus was living. It says this in, in verse 11. They entered the house and they saw the child with his mother Mary and they bowed down and they worshiped him. As soon as they were in the presence of Jesus, the very first thing they did was they worshiped him. They expressed their adoration to him. They expressed their gratitude to him. That was their priority. Their priority was worship. And let's be honest, we can express our adoration to a lot of different things, especially this time of year, right? We can worship a lot of different things this time of year. We can worship the perfect party. We can worship the perfect food that some of us are gonna eat this week. We can worship the perfect gift that we're hoping to receive or the perfect gift that we can't wait to give to somebody else. But we can worship a lot of different things that become distractions for us. Again, not bad things, but things that pull us and distract us from the things that ultimately matter. Think about it this way. Remember when you were a kid and there was that one Christmas 
where you got that one gift that you really, really wanted. Like Santa nailed it that year. I mean, just absolutely nailed it. You got that bike that you were really asking for, or you got that Nintendo that you really wanted, or you got that Barbie dream house that you've been dreaming of. I don't know. Whatever the gift was, you got that gift that you really, really wanted. And when you got that gift, what did you do? You couldn't wait to play with that toy, couldn't you? You couldn't wait to spend every waking moment playing with that new toy. I remember the year when I was about 10 years old, we got our Nintendo. And we, we played that Nintendo so much during that Christmas break that I'm pretty sure we all developed carpal tunnel syndrome by the end. And you had to like physically like move your thumb off of the controller because we were so excited to play Nintendo nonstop, morning, noon, and night. And then you had to go back to school. And oh my gosh, when we went back to school after that Christmas break, we were counting down the minutes until we got to go home and play Super Mario Brothers again. We could care less what the teacher was talking about. We could care less what was going on with our friends. All we cared about was beating that level that we were stuck on on Super Mario Brothers. That's, that was our priority. That's what we wanted. That's what we desired. We wanted to spend all of our time with that thing. When was the last time we thought about Jesus that way? That I can't wait. I can't wait to spend time with Jesus. I can't wait to open up his word, to read it, to see what it might have to say to me. I can't wait to remove all the noise and the distraction and the stuff that's going on around me and just sit and be quiet and hear what he may have to say to me. I can't wait to speak to him, to pray to him, to spend time with him. See, we can't wait for a lot of different things in our lives. A lot of us can't wait for Wednesday morning when we get to get a gift or give a gift that we've been waiting to give somebody for so long. But do we feel that same way about Jesus? Is Jesus the object of our worship? Is Jesus the object of our adoration and our gratitude, the same way that so many other things can be in our lives? My prayer is that we will be people who express our adoration and gratitude to Jesus. A couple of questions to help us along the way with that too. Who or what are you worshiping this Christmas? Who or what are you worshiping this Christmas? If you took an honest evaluation, honest evaluation of how you're spending your time, your money, your resources, your talent, if you took an honest evaluation of, your, of what you're doing this Christmas season, it would, it, would be a pretty fair, it would be a pretty fair idea of what it is that you're worshiping. So who or what are you worshiping this Christmas? Second question goes with it. Who or what is receiving your adoration? Who or what is receiving your adoration? Is it a gift? Is it a party? Is it a meal? Is it even other people? Which again, I, I can't help, like I have to say it over and over again. Those are good things. And I hope you enjoy all of those things this week. But do those things distract us from the true meaning and, and reason for this season that we celebrate. So may we be people who truly adore Christ the Lord this season. Third thing, I think that the wise men show us is that the wise men are able to avoid the drama with generosity. They're able to avoid the drama with generosity. Take a look at the second thing that the wise men do whenever they find themselves in the presence of Jesus. Go back to verse 11. The second part of verse 11 says this. This is after they've worshiped him. Then they opened their treasure chests and gave him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. 
just for the record, I think it is so cool that the wise men are carrying treasure chests with them to deliver to Jesus. That they get into this home, they crack open these treasure chests, and there are these big, extravagant, expensive, sacrificial gifts. These weren't dollar store plastic toys that they were giving to a baby. These were big, important, sacrificial gifts that they gave to Jesus. <clears throat> they weren't your everyday run-of-the-mill gifts. If you think about it, I mean gold, we know gold. Gold is always a good gift, right? But then these other things, frankincense and myrrh, they're not just essential oils, all right? Frankincense and myrrh are much more than that. Frankincense and myrrh were like the dried sap that came from these really rare trees. And it, it was hard to come by frankincense and myrrh in that day. And you could take that dried sap and it's, it, it was sweet smelling and you could do all kinds of different things with it. So it was, it was very multidimensional, but it was also very rare, which made it very expensive. And so... Again, these were expensive gifts. These were important gifts that they offered to Jesus. And here's what I love when I think about what the wise men were doing. In that moment, at that moment in the presence of Jesus, it wasn't about what Jesus could do for them. Because Jesus was a baby. It wasn't about what Jesus could offer them. It was about what they could offer Jesus. It was about what they could offer Jesus. I think far too many times in our life, in our faith, that whenever we get worn out, whenever we get stressed, whenever we get overwhelmed, our faith becomes much more about what Jesus can do for me, and we oftentimes lose sight about what I can do for Jesus. But the wise men in that moment were very much in the, in the spirit of generosity, where it was about what they could offer to Jesus, what they could give to Jesus. What an important lesson for us. I, um, and, and I know some of you might think, listen, I can't give expensive gifts like that. I can't give big, extravagant gifts like that. Don't miss the point of what's going on here. The, the, the wise men gave out of what they had. They gave out of what they had. We all have something that we can offer. We all have something that we can offer to Jesus, to his church, to other people this time of year. There is something that we can offer to others through our generosity. We all have the opportunity to be, to be generous. Here's, here's the thing. Remember, so remember, like I said before, remember when you were a kid and you received a really good gift? Remember when you were a really little kid and you were giving out gifts? You were broke. You didn't have money, right? And so what kind of gifts did you, did you give out to your parents, to your grandparents, to your brothers and sisters? It was usually something that you made in art class at school. It was something that you made at church. It was something that you would kind of put together on your own to give to them. But you were so proud of those gifts, weren't you? You were so proud of those gifts. A couple weeks ago, um, we were in the car, and my seven-year-old had, has, now, I, she's not in the room, so I'm allowed to say this. All right, here's the deal. My seven-year-old made me a Christmas card, all right? And she left it in the center console of the car, and I saw it. And she was in the back seat. And it just, it says, Merry Christmas, Dad, on the front. And so I look back at Molly and said, Molly, this is great. What a nice card. And I go to reach for the card, and she almost hit the ceiling of the car. No, you're not supposed to see that. You're not supposed to open that until Christmas. And she was so upset that I had seen that gift. And I wasn't allowed to look at it anymore. I wasn't allowed to even think about it anymore. I wasn't allowed to bring it up in conversation anymore. She grabbed that card, pulled it to the back seat, and I have not seen it since, I promise. 
but Molly can't wait to give me that gift on Wednesday morning. <clears throat> Can I tell you what that gift is? Oof. It's a piece of construction paper with marker on it. That's all it is. It's a piece of construction paper. But it has her time. It has her talent. It has her love. It has her sacrifice written all over it. All over it. That is what she has to offer to her dad. That's what she has. And she can't wait to give it away. We all have something to offer to our Heavenly Father. We all have something to offer to Jesus. Let us be people who can't wait to give it away. Who can't wait for the opportunity to show and express our generosity to the world around us. That needs it so badly. That needs to see that example of, of a sacrificial, generous love to the world. May we be generous people this, this holiday season. And so the question for us is this. Who is receiving your generosity this Christmas? Who is receiving your generosity this Christmas? Again, get specific. Who needs to experience and, and have an opportunity to experience your generosity this Christmas season? What do you have to offer to Jesus? What do you have to offer to his church? What do you have to offer to other people who desperately need hope? If anything, the gift that we have that we can be in incredibly generous with is hope. The hope of Jesus to a hurting world that needs that message. And so may we be people who are generous. Because when we are focused on generosity, it becomes much, much easier for us to avoid the drama going on around us. And so the wise men were people who were able to avoid the drama through living on purpose, through worshiping God well and making that a priority, and by being generous. Now, that didn't mean all the drama just disappeared around them. And whenever we live our lives and whenever we focus on these things, that doesn't mean that the drama is going to disappear around us either. It's still going to be there. But that drama does not have to get the best of us. That drama does not have to distract us from the things that really ultimately matter. That drama does not have to hold us back from celebrating this time of year in the way it was truly meant to be celebrated, in the presence of Jesus, seeking him and learning more about him. And so that's my prayer for us this year, that we will be people who do those things well. And when we do those things well, we are an example for the world around us. And whenever we do those things well, then we begin, God begins to fill us with things that I think deep down we all really, really want. Things that we talk a lot about this time of year. Things like hope and joy and peace. And if we're really honest with ourselves, those are the things that we really want. And so my prayer for us, and I, I want to pray for us that we would be those types of people this year. Let's pray. God, we love you. God, I thank you for stories like the wise men, stories like the shepherds, stories like Mary and Joseph, uh, the stories that, that we have known since many of us were little kids. But God, I thank you that every time we open your word, you can show us something new about what is going on in the lives of those people. Lessons that we can take and apply to our lives as well. And so God, for these wise men, these, these magi that came from the east to celebrate and worship and seek you, may they be an example for us this week. God, we're going to be busy. 
There's a lot to do. But God, in our busyness, may we take time to make you a priority. May we, t- may we take time to seek you and to worship you and to be generous to the world around us. God, thank you for your love. Thank you for this time of year. Thank you for this message that we get to share so freely with people around us. God, we love you in your name. Amen.